When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Phone blowing up. They love the bit. Great job again, Lou Rafino. This makes a lot of sense. Bono, U2, as we get set to talk to a great Irishman himself, former congressman, as I always say in my lifetime, Peter King and Woody Giuliani, the two best New York politicians I've ever seen and or met. And uh, Peter played a part in that Good Friday Agreement 25 years ago. We celebrated the anniversary yesterday. In fact, the president, Joe Biden, is there today. They're not being completely honest about Northern Ireland right now. It's a mess. The DUP party left because of some issues with the trade deals with Brexit. There are people in the streets going after cops. You have these uh, radical Republicans going nuts. But we'll get all of that right now from the man himself, who was kind enough to move to 740 this morning, so Eric Trump can join us at 840. My dear friend, my family loves him, Peter King. Good morning, Pete. Good morning, Shiva. Actually, I wasn't that happy about moving to 740, but Lou Rufino pulled his Joe Petri deal on me and told me I had to move or else. So, yeah. If he did, if he called you in that voice, you'd be scared, right? That was, wasn't he great now? Absolutely. Night? That was a fun was great. bit. Absolutely great. That was a fun you bit. You seem genuinely scared, too. I gotta tell you. <laughs> All right, Pete. So uh, I know yeah. you spent a lot of time on the phone with former President Bill Clinton yesterday. He was a major part of this Good Friday Agreement as well. So give the folks out there a history lesson as to why, when America is falling apart and the world is basically on fire, that Joe Biden is in Northern Ireland this morning, Belfast to be exact. Yeah, he's going to Belfast, and not to take anything away, but during the whole Good Friday agreement, the whole years leading up to that, really Joe Biden was never involved at all. It was Bill Clinton. i got to give him full credit for that. And at the time, it was... uh, very important. You had there's basically a war going on. You can say 800 years, 300 years, 25 years between the Irish and British, first on the entire island of Ireland and then up in Northern Ireland. And, uh, you know, Britain was our closest ally. We had great relations with the Irish people. And Bill Clinton just thought that now with the Iron Curtain down, you should not be having a war going on uh, in, in, uh, in Europe. And uh, he felt that the U.S. was uniquely situated to try to resolve it. And uh, he... Uh, 
took some daring steps. Uh, Jerry Adams was the head of Sinn Féin. That's the political party that was affiliated with the IRA. And uh, the British did not want him coming to our, our country under any circumstances. In fact, Adams wasn't even allowed to appear on radio and t- or television in Ireland or in uh, England. And yet uh, Bill Clinton in 1994 gave him a visa to come to the United States. That broke the logjam. Uh, John Major was furious the following year when Bill Clinton invited Jerry Adams actually to a White House St. Patrick's Day party. He wouldn't return Bill Clinton's calls. But what he did by doing that is he basically stood up, Bill Clinton stood up to his own State Department, stood up to the British government, and also was telling you know, the people of Northern Ireland, listen, I'm going out on a limb for you guys. Don't screw this up by, uh, you know, carrying out, you know, by you know, breaking the ceasefire, which they did once or twice, but that was quickly ended. So anyway, a long story short, he got he had everybody in the room over a period of years. He assigned George Mitchell to work on it and uh, came down to it. Basically, you know, the Irish can take a long time to get things done. And uh, <laughs> so they put out a statement around St. Patrick's Day of 1998. This has to be done by Holy Thursday, which would have been April 9th. And, of course, the Irish never get things done on time. The Holy Thursday became Good Friday. But I'm saying that really in a humorous way, but it was not humorous at the time. There were these last-minute obstacles going down to it. I mean, I was, I'm not saying I was a major player, but I was the only guy in Congress who had known Jerry Adams when he got the visa. So I was used as a go-between on several occasions between the White House and, and Jerry Adams. And also in contact with the Irish government. Uh, so anyway, on that final day, when it started to come undone, I, mean, I was on the phone with Belfast, on the phone with the White House, and I went to bed about one fifteen in the morning once it had gone over. Well, so let me stop you for one second. So, so this deal is ready to go. Hundreds and hundreds of years of war were about to end it, and then it starts to unravel a bit. And who is the guy on the phone with the White House and in Northern Ireland, Belfast? It was you. Yeah, I, I was talking to uh, Jim Steinberg at the White House. He was on the National Security Council. I was talking to Jerry Adams' people. And one, if I could put a humorous note in there, uh, I was talking to Sinn Féin on the phone, and they said, listen, this is getting bad. I, I said, it's getting so bad, we could walk out. I said, you could actually walk out? You want me to say that? And they, and they said, yes. Yeah. So anyway, about five minutes later, I get a call from BBC Radio. And, uh, and I'm watching on television. There's also a live feed coming from Belfast. And I, I say to the guy on the radio, I said, you know, Sinn Féin has told me that this could get so bad, they may walk out. They said, no, they can never walk out. And with that, I'm looking at television, and I see Jerry Adams and Martin McGinnis. It was this guy, the two of them walking out the door. I said, oh, my God, I hope I didn't uh, cause a, uh, get, you know, the end of the peace talks. My heart started racing. Yeah. But it turned out they were going out for smoke, which was a, a bit of a relief. So, so anyway, I went to bed about one fifteen. I woke yeah. up, I got a call about, uh, I don't know, 6 o'clock in the morning. From, from the White House uh, telling me that they hadn't reached a deal during the night, that Bill Clinton had been on the phone. And actually, the White House sort of downplayed uh, you know, Bill Clinton's role. Then about 10 minutes later, I got a call from Jerry Adams, who was still up in, in, in Belfast. And I said, Jerry, congratulations. He goes, no, no, all the congratulations go to Bill Clinton. He's the guy that did this. Wow. He made he, he had got everybody on the phone and basically both made commitments and also told them, hey, listen, you know, I, you know U.S. is going out on, on a limb. I guarantee we're not going to let either side take advantage of this, but it was uh, it was very very tense. <laughs> and uh, again, I'm really oversimplifying and obviously going through it fast. But it was so tense those last few days; it couldn't happen without Bill Clinton. And then uh, the other day, John Casmatidis, because I was talking to John about this on Monday, and he had sent a minicast to uh, Bill Clinton, which I didn't know. And so anyway, I get I get an email yesterday afternoon. 
uh, you know, do I have time to talk to Bill Clinton? So I said, yeah, of course I do. Wow. So he called me about 5.15, and we were on the phone for a good 45 minutes or so. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Uh, first of all, I've just forgiven him about Lewinsky. He's fine. It's good now. Uh, this is a lot more important. But on a serious note, I'm only kidding. On a serious note, you're on the phone with Bill Clinton for 45 minutes. What are you guys talking about? Just the island agreement, the Mets? What's this conversation like? No, it was, uh, I would say only about the first 10 or 15 minutes were about uh, islands. And he is concerned about the fact that, you know, the unionists are sort of trying to back away from the agreement. I don't think we expect violence to break out, even though you could have some radical groups on either side. But it's, I don't think it's ever going to go back to any kind of all-out war the way it had been. But, no, he spoke about that. He's going to be over there next week, actually, and he'll be meeting with some of the, with all of the parties, trying, you know, trying to see what he can do on that. Uh, but then it was like going around the world uh, on a worldwide tour with Bill Clinton, talking about one country after another. Uh, his, his mind is incredibly active. Yeah. And, again, I don't want to go into detail, but he was going through – Different, you know, political characters, sure. different people here in the United States. Just give me this, then, without giving me the whole conversation that's private between you and Bill Clinton. Be honest here. At any point in the conversation, did he take out Donald Trump? No, actually, Donald Trump's name didn't come up. I didn't will say that. Up. But I'll wow. tell you whose name did come up, and that was yours. Because <laughs> uh, he was talking about how he's a good friend of John Caspertini's. Oh, my God. And he said, how's, how's the radio station doing? Right. Well, actually, I'm on every Wednesday with, with Sid Rosenberg on Wednesday morning, and it's the highest-rated show in, in New York. It's, you know, I said, uh, uh, Tini beat Con Hannity at night, and Sid Rosenberg beat, you know, beats everybody in the morning. And I try to imply in that, though, it's because I'm on on Wednesday morning. You know, I get bumped for, you know, for Eric Trump. I was going to tell him that. I said, talk to John Caspertini's. How come, how come Trump knocks me out of the box? Uh, but, you know? One of my prized uh, pictures at my house is uh, Joe Torre every year, the Yankee great, the Hall of Fame manager, he's got a right. foundation. It's called Safe at Home, and that is like abused wives and mothers, and he does a great job of that. He really does. And he puts on this great golf tournament every year. For years, he did it at Trump's course up in um, in Westchester. And right. one year, me and Beningo, I was working at WFAN, did our show from there. We did it many years, actually. But one year, I had Yogi Berra to my right and Bill oh, wow. Clinton to my left. And it was me... Yogi and Bill for a good 30 minutes, Pete. And we ended up taking a picture, and I ended up sending the pictures to Montclair for Yogi and to D.C. for Bill, and they signed them. And I framed all of it. And I got to tell you this, you know, for all the crap Clinton gets, you know, the first term was certainly as good as it was in American history. Things went awry in that second term. I get it. And things did happen to Bush that were really Clinton's fault. But when you talk about sitting down with a guy, you talk about charisma and likable. Yeah, Bill Clinton. Uh, I, I met a bunch of presidents along the way. He He's at the very top. He just is. Yeah, he really is. And it did show, listen, I, got, I, I, I can't stand I, his I, wife, but I love Bill. <laughs> well, I came to Congress the same year that he became president. So two great men arrived at the same time. Yes. No, but actually, uh, uh, yeah, it, that was really tense. Those first few years, the partisanship, the bitterness with him and Newt Gingrich. But. Think of it. In the end, he and Gingrich were able to work out welfare reform, got a balanced budget, and the country really moved forward. The economy yeah. did great. Yep. Just the two of them were able to sit down with all of the uh, superficial arguing that was going on 
behind the scene, you have two pros who really got it done. I just wish we could find a way to do that. Well, today. it's going to be hard, too. Yeah, but don't, way to go forward. but don't forget that he also, I'm going to take a shot at him here. He, he knew all that mortgage stuff going on. People made billions of dollars. He knew eventually that was going to come back and haunt us, and it still happened. All the dot-com stuff. I mean, he was actually at the right place at the right time, too, to a certain extent. And all those things eventually crashed with a Republican in charge. But anyway, uh, Bill did a great job with this, but you talked about how it's not going to go back the way it was. But all I'm reading, Pete, the last two days is Northern Ireland is a mess and maybe on its way back to those days. Uh, you got the DUP split. You got Republicans yeah. in the street throwing bottles at cops. You got illegal parades and there is some violence. Is that not true? It is true, but I wouldn't want to, again, we have to be very careful. It doesn't get out of control. But again, having been there, I was there in the 80s and the 90s where you had tanks and armored cars, barbed wire. And that could not have gone on unless people in those communities actually supported that. I mean, that's how that's how much tension there was that you had people in the nationalist or Republican or Catholic communities. And they they supported the IRA to a large, large extent. And the other side, you had the Ulster Volunteer Force, the UDR, all these groups. And they were uh, UDA and they were, again, supported by people in those communities. You don't have that today. A whole generation has grown up not being exposed to war. I mean, it's uh it was really, I hate to say nothing. You see young kids shot dead in the street. That doesn't happen anymore. But, yeah. no, it, it's really up to, I hope the British government will get more involved and lean on, again, this is called the DUP, the Democratic Unionist Party. They, uh, they thought with Brexit that once uh, Britain was out of the common market, that would somehow end the Good Friday Agreement and they would be tariffs put back in place. Not that they cared about tariffs, but that would, make, uh, that would reinstate the border between the North and the South. And that that would have that could have ended the Good Friday Agreement, and uh, so with that didn't happen. But no, listen, when you fight for 800 years, it never goes away completely. But I think that again, if it can be good American leadership, we don't have to use one troop or one dollar. Just use the moral force that we have. If Joe Biden can try to do that, it will be a big step forward. And the British have to get involved. The Irish government, again, they also they they can't they can't say, well, that's up north, it's not down here. It has to be a three-pronged effort the way it was back in, uh, again, 1995, 96, 97, and ultimately in uh, 1998. No, but it's, uh, listen, you can't let it get out of hand, and, and you can never take, uh, take anything for granted. But it, I don't think you could ever reach the intensity or the pitch that it did during those years from 1969 to 1994 and then on and off for the next four years. But it ended in 1998. They got to do all they can to keep it that way. What a life, man. Here's a guy, Long Island, Pete King, had no idea what he was going to do in his teens and early 20s. What a life. I mean, went on to become this unbelievable congressman. You're involved in the Good Friday Agreement on the phone with the White House. Homeland Security, right after 9-11, right after Tom Ridge. There you are, Pete King. I mean, I'm not even joking here because I know we like to rub each other. But on a serious note, man, what a life. Good for you. I love you, man. and I, how old am I? I'm 79 years old, and I'm hanging out with Sid Rosenberg. Now, that that is the perfect ending to the book. <laughs> <laughs> hey, seriously, a great job here today. Couldn't wait for you to come on and talk about this. And as always, terrific job, Peter King. I love you. Thank you. Thank you, Sid. Thank you. My man, the great Pete King. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you look what this guy's been involved with. Just unbelievable. That's a heck of a two hours. Liz Pitko, Curtis Lee, and Pete King. 